let's rock and roll. Improv. We just love it. <laughs> ah, hi. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome to For the Love of Improv. For the Love of Improv. Oh, Is there a song? There's yeah, a song. She was just singing. We have a um it's already pre recorded, so oh. they've they've already actually heard it. So I thought I was gonna get to hear it. They've already well, actually I, heard I can play it. it for you. Yeah. No, you don't need to play it. I it's, know. It. Um, it's lovely. It just says for the love of improv over and over again. It's great. Yeah. Zo- Zoe uh, Amorphia. Yes. Yeah. Who's amazing. Um so welcome to this is our fourth episode. So exciting. Yes, uh we are Jesse Licks and Katie Welsh. Yes, I'm Katie Welsh. Today we're talking with Tim Mahoney. Hello. He What's is up? in the studio, ready to go. Um, our topic today is narrative improv. Uh, you can see some narrative improv by showing up to one of Tim's shows for his new team called Ghost. Yeah, which that's a placeholder too. We don't have a team name yet. <laughs> oh, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, we and that's why it's real, ghostly. We're not a real thing. So oh, that's why we're. That's why you're ghosts. Ghost. I like that. Yeah. Huh. Cool. <laughs> Interesting. Um, before we start, um, oh yeah, disclaimer. we have to do our disclaimers. So, um, we are not experts. We just love improv and we love, we like to talk about it because it's, we were just talking before we aired this, um, about how deep it is. It's not just about the art form, but all other sorts of things. So that's, right. that's why we, but we don't claim to be, we just want to talk about it. Right. What we do claim is that improv is about life and we are both experts and newbies all at the same time, because every time you get on stage, it's something new and an opportunity for for growth and just really a potential for anything. So yeah. right here we're saying we're not experts, and in the same breath we invite you to come and learn with us as we grow. Yay! On our improv journey. Yeah, Yay. on our improv journey um, with rainbows and unicorns. Yeah, can you tell them a little bit about what they're going to get from the show today? Yeah, so um, we're going to talk to Tim, obviously, about narrative improv. And uh, we're also going to do a game. We always do a game, so that'll be interesting because we don't know how this was one's going to go. We really never do because it's improv, people. Um, and uh, and then we also have a history segment. We may or may not get that to that today. We'll see. Um, Tim usually has a lot to say, right, Tim? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. no! Yeah. And we're gonna. Oh. Um... <laughs> oh my god, that's the first yes, one. Yes, starting off the improv podcast with a no. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. Denied. Um, and then we're also going to uh, talk about um, a particular, I don't know, what do you call it? A technique, a word of the day. Word of the, um, yeah, so our concept of, for the day today is secondary characters, and that leads really in, well into narrative improv, so I'll save that for later. Um, let's get to know Tim, though. Um, Tim, we ask all of our guests, the first question is, why did you get into improv to start? Like, what, why did you show up to your first practice, and then why did you come back? Oh, man. Uh, so the reason uh, that I showed up to my first improv practice was actually not to do improv. Um, <laughs> I showed up to my first improv practice or, or class um, because I wanted to do stand-up. Mm. And I wanted to get more comfortable on stage. And, and for me, that was like a very safe way to, to kind of jump into getting back on stage. I performed you know, in various um, forms in, in high school and some in college and kind of had drifted away from that after leaving school. 
So, um, yeah, I, I jumped back into, or jumped into improv to get back on stage and just to kind of, like, get back into the, the world of, of comedy, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and then how was that experience? I mean, were, were you was it what you were expecting? Were you blown away? Were you like, oh, this is not at all what I was expecting improv would be? Well, I have <laughs> been, uh, I hate to use the word comedy nerd for my whole life, but I really, I mean, that's kind of the case. Um, mm-hmm. Very much into all things comedy as mm-hmm. a kid. Um, Saturday Night Live was a big influence on my life and actually mm. still remains one in the sense that, you know, I watch it like a sport. Um, <laughs> both, you know, recognizing when things go wrong and then, like, watching the ebbs and flows of a changing cast. It's a lot like a sports team over the years. So, uh, wow. you know, I enjoy that aspect of it. But, um, you know, it was a way to connect with my dad and my brothers. Uh, we kind of bonded mm. through comedy. We moved around as, as a family a lot. My dad was in the Navy and we moved around you know, all the time, basically, uh, every, every few years. Um, so we were really close and we always bonded over things comedically. Uh, mm-hmm. my dad has a fun sense of humor, even mm-hmm. though he's very shy. Um, and he, uh, you know, loves very classic comedies from his era, Animal House and, mm-hmm. uh, anything Steve Martin and you know, Martin Short and all these, these great comedians. Um, so he introduced, you know, me to those people, and those are still folks that I, I really look up to. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of comedy, I mean, uh, Steve Martin is, is somebody who's, like, just, you know, so risky with, with what he does, but also so connected to, yeah. to to the simplicity of the art form. And I think that's, like, one of the beautiful things about improv is, is that it's hmm. it's both really deep and complex, but at the same time, like, very much simple. Right. And... and and uh you know obvious mm-hmm. and, and that's a cool thing yeah so, that's yeah. so cool and i i love the the thing you said about comedy connection i think i think um i think that's i mean i can relate to that a lot i think a lot of people can relate to you know either if you're a performer or have watched comedy um or you know people in your family i mean that's you know i've not i've always never I, i've never really gotten along with my dad but when we do connect it's because of it's because of comedy yeah. you know so it's always it's kind of like that wall breaker that um mm-hmm that makes everything okay yeah, for a second. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it, you know, and in and my family, it's so great. Um, you could get away with anything if, if there was like a laugh <laughs> there was line a joke. involved at the end. Like as long as it was like, well, you know, whatever happens, happens. And then, you know, you can make somebody chuckle. It's like, well, let's forget about the fact that you <laughs> crashed the car through the garage then and oh, no. move on with right. our life. Right, um, right, right. Yeah, but yeah. It, it wasn't that you could get away with anything, but it did, you know, it was a, it was that thing of like, oh, making people laugh has like a, a good feeling attached to it, but also, it put it, it like kind of pulled the veil away from like things being so serious all the time. Mm-hmm. Like life goes on, mm-hmm. and to be able to laugh at you know the the things that come up throughout mm-hmm. the things that are unavoidable that happen to everybody yeah. that we often put so much pressure on ourselves to take seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, like. Right. Absolutely. So, so to be able to laugh those off or to be able to find the humor in them rather yes. than to like laugh mm-hmm. them off and move past them but right. just to recognize that like the humanity like humor is humanity and right. and to find that in you know everything is a blessing so. yeah totally it's a yeah. relief it's a big relief, a relief. Oh, even yeah. better word yeah, yeah it is a relief god imagine you have to be so serious all the time Ugh. life is What's super like, complicated <laughs> 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 i know I'm probably the serious one in the group but i want i want that i i feel like life it get, can get so intense sometimes and mm-hmm. you get wrapped up in what you're doing and to 
be that person that can provide the comedy relief in in a hard situation without being inappropriate it makes you such a gift to the people mm-hmm. around you mm-hmm. like absolutely like whether it's it's planned out and performed on stage or whether mm-hmm. it's just hey here's the funny part of the situation be able to look at life from yeah from that angle is just like it's awesome yeah. if you have that skill. Yeah. Well, and I think that's what I why I fell in love with improv was not that that doesn't exist in the stand up comedy world. I'm sure it does. Oh, I should say I've never done stand up comedy. Oh, you uh, never ended up doing no, it. No, no, that's oh what I started to to pursue so long ago, and just never. I <laughs> fell in love with improv. Um, I, you know, I'd always been on sports teams as a kid, and and through high school and in college, um. And I think that I just missed, you know, for at first it was like, I'm part of a thing. And that was enough. You know, that was like a big thing in my life was to be back involved in a group setting, like working towards a common goal. That was really nice. Um, but the, the more I pursued it like, and the more I continued to do it, I, I really just was like, oh, this is, this is what I wanted because it gives me that comedic outlet that I think I was searching for in stand up. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also were on a team. But I was, I was pursuing it with other people, and mm-hmm. and stand up is through my lens. What mm-hmm. improv is through a collective group lens, and that's a group yeah. lens that changes and exists only in that moment mm-hmm. when you're doing that show with those people. Mm-hmm. Stand up, you just you get to do the same set and and rework it and and tweak it, and I think there's so much value in that. There's like the beauty in honing a thing and working so hard to craft a joke. Mm-hmm. is wonderful and something i don't know if i have the patience to do now that i've been doing improv for so long because improv i like the the practice of it i like that it's um ongoing mm-hmm. and that you don't if you think you've figured it out <laughs> you know i it's humbling yeah and i think that's a good thing for somebody who has an ego like myself like mm-hmm. it's humbling to be to be have miscues regularly. Mm-hmm. I'm, I've approached things in my life pretty, um, what's the word I want to use? Uh, I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> um, I've planned out. I, I, I'm a planner. Oh, yeah. So yeah. if I'm traveling, like I have itineraries like literally printed out for myself to, from on an hourly basis, like a list of clothing to check out. Like I'm very um, regimented in that type of thing. And, mm-hmm. and I think for imp- in improv, it's really nice to not, have to feel that pressure necessarily. I, I can relate to that so much because I started out in stand-up and the thing I liked about it was because was that you could plan it out mm-hmm. more. But what's always been a struggle for me is that going off script, so doing crowd work, that terrifies me. So that's why I got into improv for the same reason because I'm like, I gotta take the stick out of my butt and try to be more spontaneous. And yeah. I'm like, that's what improv is. Yeah. You can do nothing but that. So right. it's almost, it was like a, a way to like give myself permission mm-hmm. to just be spontaneous. Cause there's no other choice, yeah. you know? Yeah, and that's sure. like, that's how, cause I'm like, no, I have to have a plan. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that's so interesting. And, and you say that you're, you started in stand up too. And I think I posted a stand up show that you've been in. Yeah. Improv weirdly brought me back to the stand up world. <laughs> yeah. Sense. Like by accident. And then I love hosting stand up shows because it is, for me, it's almost like improvised stand up. I get to, yeah. uh, actively move the show along but I also get to plug in some some jokes here and there that, that I think of like as a result of other folks' sets just to kind of tie them all together and like I don't know. So And know. by the way, if you guys don't know, we're talking about Reno Improv. Reno Improv has a monthly open mic 
uh, night. It's every the third, third Friday. Friday, I third think. Friday so if you guys month. are interested yep. in stand up and just trying it, it's a really great place to try it. It's not a bar, so people aren't distracted. It's a very safe place. The audience is super sh- encouraging. Um, yeah, I mean, throughout yeah. my improv career, if you want to call it that, um, you know, I've crossed paths with a lot of stand up. I've been a part of review shows and things like that, where it's, you know, or, or festivals that there's improv and stand up. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, of the, the, you know, not to go off on a tangent about Reno Improv, I'm sure we'll talk about it later in, uh, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is one of the most um, supportive stand-up environments I've, I've seen yeah. in the sense that, you know, the, the 10 people or 12 people uh, mm-hmm. on stage for that evening are very much there to, to get better. Mm-hmm. And the audience is aware of that mm-hmm. and supports them in their pursuit of getting better. Yeah. Which just doesn't happen at a bar. No, uh, you know, well, and a lot of open mics, you know, there are other comics and they're trying, it's, it's competitive, yeah, it's competitive yeah. and that's fine. But, um, yeah, and that's why I like the Reno improv one because it's, it is, it is a chance for, and we actually, um, you know, cause we have regulars that come to that, mm-hmm. you know, we have comics yeah, who are yeah. constantly working on their stuff, but we actually do reserve, I think it's six spots for yeah. people. If you're new, you get to the top of the list. So there is a sign up process that happens the week before you can go to, um, our Facebook. Facebook page, I think, is maybe yeah, the base. Yeah, Reno Improv, Reno Improv Facebook uh, page, mm-hmm. um, and sign up. Um, but yeah, so that's that's we we encourage people to come. Or, yeah, you know, I think it's awesome to and try I, it for I the first time. That it's that like that mm-hmm. collaborative spirit that that yeah. pushed me into that that like that kept me in improv for sure. It's right. that same sort of supportive mm-hmm. a- environment. Um, mm-hmm. The sports teams I played on, while they were supportive in a sense. There was also, like, individual competition. I played football and rugby, and, you know, so football was, like, not a supportive environment for me. I I didn't Mm. really enjoy it as much as I thought I would, like, Mm -hmm. looking back on it. And Mm -hmm. so much of that was because there wasn't, like, it didn't feel like a common pursuit of a goal, even though that's what a sports team should be. Obviously, this is high school football we're talking about, so there's, like, high school drama involved in all this (laughs) But, competing for positions. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. like, competing for positions, like, not only on the football team, but that position was also, like, your social, social status in yeah. the school. Right. Um, and I never, like, needed to be the, the you know, the top. And I think that that pursuit of that is was, like, exhausting and, and, and mm. defeating in a lot of ways. And when I was first on an improv, in an improv class, it wasn't, it was, like, more inclusive everyone well inclusive but also like if it was individual for the like everybody was just trying to get better individually right right not not to be the best in the class just to be better as a person Mm -hmm. and i think that i I mean i'm so glad i started taking improv because it kind of put my mindset in terms of of the other activities that i will pursue it will also have that same effect on me yeah no longer like in pursuit of a thing to be like the best at it not that i don't know that i ever was but um to pursue things that just that can make you better as a person at your own pace or yeah like and a i really think freeing thing to do and i think just one more thing because i think we're, we're ready to move on to the next thing but um <laughs> i just have to say this yeah no worries. um but Talk it's about. also the thing about improv is like the way you get better is by lifting others up oh mm-hmm. yeah you know oh, yeah absolutely see That's see i had to that say isn't, that that is important <laughs> to take some time to that yeah yep. definitely right and yeah, that's I mean, what's so amazing about it mm-hmm. because it, it's focused on other and it's fo- and that's why you have to deal with your well. And I think BS. that's why I enjoy the teaching aspect of it so much. Now that I've, I've been teaching for some years now, 
I, I get so much out of the classes, both personally and improv-wise, because I see Just people trying to Before you say this note, can we get a quick note on um, how long you've been teaching and how long you've been doing this? They have an overview of your improv experience. I've been doing improv for a while, um, and I've been teaching for almost six years now, mm-hmm. I think. Improv, when I started, it was not, you know, sometime before that, not terribly long before that. I don't really know. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um... I also, you know, not that I don't like the question, I can appreciate the question, but I also think, like, that's another reason I love improv so much. Like, it doesn't matter how long you've been doing it, if you're able to connect with the people you're on stage with, like, the right. time is 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 not necessarily the most important thing, it's your ability to connect. Mm-hmm. And um, I, that's why I love playing with new people, you know, I love playing with, with new people, both that I've never played before, but new people to improv as, a, as an art form. They're super fun to play with, because they have no preconceived notions about you know what things are supposed to be and they they Mm. do crazy things and they're fun to to kind of be put um in that place and time with folks that you know yeah well and you've also we talked about this uh before we came on air but um you also uh taught it you started a club at a school that you used to work at can you talk about that a little bit oh absolutely yeah um so uh, a close friend of mine a colleague and and friend um actually my first improv teacher now that i think about it um a guy named ryan hardigan who is a lovely fellow uh who's in new zealand hi ryan if you listen to this (laughs) um he so he and i uh like i said he was my first improv teacher and we really clicked he was also the first person to put me on an improv team which was his improv group uh that i was on for a long time um and uh he he Took some chances on me, which was always, was nice, uh, you know, um, saw something in me, I guess, that, that made me want to continue to pursue this, and um, so he and I uh, started this club at a school called the Middlebridge School. Uh, it's a boarding school in Narragansett, Rhode Island, um, for kids with uh, social and developmental disabilities, mm. uh, lots of kids on the autism spectrum, ADHD, various things. Um, and we started an improv club, and it was simply just an after-school improv club. It took place on Thursday nights. We'd show up at the school and just, you know, do improv games and teach some improv theory and stuff like that. And just have a good time with the kids, you know, break them out of their shell a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was great. Another 70 kids in the school, I think, by the end of our first semester at the school in that club, we had 20-plus kids. And so we had a third of the school locked up in the, in the improv club. So I think bowling club got put on the, on the back burner oh, for, the, no. for the semester, which I was bummed about because I love bowling. I was like, you guys are... Should we do both Could of you these do, things? like, improv bowling? No. Yeah. Yeah. That would be we'll weird. I feel like people some, would get injured, though. We did a lot of scenes in bowling alleys. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it really took off, and, and the kids loved it. And it, so, it, like I said, it was a boarding school, so their teachers and... Uh, staff and resident uh, staff and all that were around all the time and they really watched these kids grow yeah. as a result of being in this improv club yeah. not only just talking about how much they enjoyed it and like socializing which is a thing that, that some of those kids really struggle with mm-hmm. um, socializing about how they enjoyed the club but uh, we literally got calls from parents that were saying like my daughter's calling me once <gasps> a week now and talking to me about like wow. what's going on and like so we're seeing all these really hmm. super positive changes um, and we we talked to the school and the, the school approached us about you know starting a program more um i guess educationally minded and and, and I, I will be honest you know it wasn't any different from what we were doing in the club we put some new vocab words in there to make it sound like 
uh, you know, it was, it was really tailored to this specific class. And so they brought us into their social pragmatics classes, which teach, you know, socialization and, and some certain life skills that, that some of these kids might struggle with. Um, but we were just doing improv. It That's wasn't so any cool. different. You know, we threw yeah. some new, like I said, we threw some words on there to make it, uh, to make it fit the, the, um, pre-existing curriculum for that particular program. Mm-hmm. But so it was you just know, improv. It was just improv. It was just, so, a, yeah. you know, communication and, and in a fun setting. And that's how improv got started, by the way. Oh, yes. Right? That's true. Well, Tim is actually, um, to kind of bring us back into the topic of the day, Tim is actually working on um, some new material to teach around narrative improv, and he he started this team that doesn't have a name yet. It's called Ghost around narrative improv, and so kind of that is why we're kind of talking about this today. Is he's kind of obsessed about mm-hmm. kind yeah, of this new topic improv, and sure. within improv, and he's bringing that to you know that amazing value to Reno improv, which is awesome. Um, I'm just going to start off by giving um, a definition that I got from Impro Theater. You can find it on improtheater.com. They're amazing. Slash narrative. Best theater in L.A. Um, Impro Theater out of L.A. They do fully improvised plays. And oh, wow. uh, what I mean by fully improvised is, you know, quite literally, uh, if you want to put a time limit on it, 90 minute uh, to two oh, hour show uh, with full with intermission, costumes, lighting, sound, wow. everything. Wow. And it's completely improvised. Huh. Um, and That's they're amazing. one of the best companies in the country. So, yeah, if you're ever in L.A., go to Impro Theater. Um, so this definition comes on good authority. Yeah. Um, they say, with narrative improv, a scene must end when the narrative beat is completed, not when a joke hits and each consecutive scene builds on the scene before it. So characters stay and are developed over the course of the story. They have strong wants, obstacles, and ultimately have to change in order to achieve their goal. This oh, takes so, such a good definition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this takes improv from bringing a fun night of comedy to a full fledged theatrical experience. Yeah, mm. absolutely. So, I mean, leave it to the people at Impro Theater to give you a perfect definition. Yeah, I mean, they should improv. know, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, like they're they're one of the companies ways. in the country that is 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 from my perspective is is of the best at what they're doing. Also, Bats, um, I'll plug their theaters. Uh, Bats Improv in. Uh, San Francisco. They've been doing narrative improv for 30 years. Actually, they're celebrating their 30th anniversary this year. Um, and those folks are really, really wonderful, too. Uh, they do, I actually just saw at the San Francisco Improv Festival last weekend, um, a couple folks from uh, my team at Reno Improv went and saw uh, Improvised Downton Abbey. Where, um, no! Yeah, oh my it was, God, really, that's I mean, amazing. It was a, a, amazing show, really great show. Um, to, uh, once again, you know, just to put a time length on it to kind of give you a perspective of what it was. It was, it was a two hour show with a 15 minute intermission, um, fully realized characters, sound, so um, cool. you know, now is lights, something at that length. Do you, do you think that something at that length is realistic for most improv uh, clubs to, have if it's something, something they want to do? Yeah. It, 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 it's just what this particular theater and the folks that, that perform there love doing. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that it's a matter of, like, is this a thing we could do or isn't it? If you want to do it, do it. There's nothing stopping you from doing it. Does it take training and practice and hard work? Absolutely. But so does any kind of, any artistic pursuit, uh, you know? Um, You know, there's the joke about, like, I got into improv because they don't have to practice or rehearse or, like, prepare. (laughs) It's like, well... I, right. And I say that off the cuff, too, because it, it's certain, it, sometimes it feels true. Yeah, I can go up and do a show with zero preparation. 
but there actually is preparation that went in that. There's all the classes that I took and all the, the rehearsals that I've gone mm -hmm. to and the training that we constantly all are undergoing right. to continue keeping our chops up on this thing that we love so much. Yeah, so. because you can, I mean, I've definitely experienced it as a more of a beginner improver, where, improviser where you, you know, you learn all these rules and you're like, oh yeah, I'm, get, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Oh yeah, I'm vibing with this. This is happening. This yeah. is working. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what happens. All, I forget all the rules mm. yeah. and they just, everything goes out the window and That's I don't great, know how that, that happened. God, that and I'm like, what the heck? You driving. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but it oh, no, it's not like it driving at all. No, no, it's not. <laughs> Improvised driving. Um, that doesn't sound right. Yeah. Well, so that happens all the time. It's really, it's sometimes very painful to watch. <laughs> uh, so what does it mean to be, um, a good storyteller in, in the whole construct of narrative. Improv. Oh, to be a human. Yeah. You know, I, mean, I don't know. I, I, so my, my latest tagline for, for this narrative improv thing that we're pursuing here at Reno Improv is like, we're all natural storytellers, whether we know it or not. I mean, we're here as a result of this, of, you know, the word passed on through history, basically, you know, I mean, the shared, the, that shared thing of, of, of language. So to tell a story for me is is obvious i mean I, I think that we're telling stories in all of our scenes whether or not it's you know a clear ending or maybe it's just a snapshot of a story but there's narrative moments in everything we do so is there a formula you're uh taking advantage of in your particular improv class that you're working on is there a formula to help with the narrative storytelling of in improv mm -hmm. absolutely so um I use a, a format called the story spine or an eight beat story. And it was taught to me by um, a group, a group called Parallelogram of Phonograph um, out of Austin, Texas. Uh, P-Graph for short. You can visit them at pgraph.com. Man, I'm going to plug everybody's stuff for my own tonight. We're going to have a long list yeah. of oh, references I'm on trying to one. write that down to put in the show notes, but I'll have to ask you. That's all right. No, that's and they're long. really, really wonderful. Um, you know, I'm lucky to, to uh, have worked with them in a number of capacities. Um, both, I took an intensive from them at the Alaska State Improv Festival, and it was cool. really excellent. Um, they're, they're just so knowledgeable and, and approachable about narrative improv. Um, they perform improvised plays as well. They have a lot of different, you know, formats that they've done before. Um, but yeah, they taught me this, this basic narrative structure to, to kind of work through an improvised story with, and I can go through that right now if you want to. Um, can you do like a quick overview? So we can yeah, yeah, sure. So it's it. an eight beat structure and it kind of helps you. It goes from beginning and end to a story and it's simple. It, it, the first beat is once upon a time okay. and then you fill oh. in after that. So we, I mean, we could even walk around and do one real quickly. Let's you know? do it. Okay. That'll be our um, game. Sure. Yeah. All right. Yeah, let's do sure. move to the other So game. it starts, I'll, I'll go through it real quick. It starts with once upon a time and that's the first, you know, first beat of that eight beat story. Uh, so once upon a time, there was a boy named Fred. And the next beat of the story is, and every day, right? So once upon a time, there was a boy named Fred, and every day Fred walked down to the corner grocery store. Okay, so there's your second beat. And the third beat is kind of the, the moment where something in the story happens. And that's, uh, that beat starts with, until one day, right? So there we have an issue. Something comes up in the story. Um, so until one day, the store was closed and out of business. 
Then we get into like the plot of our story, basically, right? So it's going to be, and because of that, so and because the store was closed, something happened. Fred had to do something different, right? <laughs> and because of that, Fred wandered into an unknown neighborhood looking for food. <laughs> and because of that, something else happened. So the fifth, I'm sorry, the fourth, fifth, and sixth beats are all, and because of that. So it's just a very logical, linear way to approach a thing. This happens, and because this happens, something else happens. And because this happens, something else happens, right? Um, so there's your fourth, fifth, and sixth beats of that story. And then you get, and because of that is the sixth beat, like I said, the seventh beat is until one day. And that's kind of the falling action of the story, like the resolution. Because the story, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll use the, the fourth beat there as the, the sixth one as well, because it doesn't really matter. Um, and because the store was closed, he wandered into a, a, an unknown part of town. And until one day... Oh, wait, did I screw this up? No, until one up. day. You need more and because of that. So. No, no, you're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's say that was the last yeah, because of that. Yeah, and then until one day, and ever since that day is the final beat, is the uh -huh. eighth beat of the story. And ever since that day... Um, they, you know, whatever, whatever the whatever the conclusion is. is. Yeah, so there's there's those eight simple beats, okay. and they are very much simple, and are so the entire scene. If you want to break, let's let's say we break up a narrative into eight scenes. You know, mm -hmm. if you want to put that much specificity on on your format, go ahead and break it up into eight scenes. Um, you want to just try this right now? Sure. What each each beat can just be a line that each one of us does. We'll go around yeah. the circle. Oh yeah, let's, let's party. Let's okay. go around the circle. Uh, so, once upon a time, a ballerina was moving to Reno. Moved to Reno. But, yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Um, and every day in Reno, she would pirouette to 7-Eleven. Until one day... She got her foot stuck in a crack on the sidewalk. And because of that, wait, does that, does that work? And because yeah. of that, she was afraid to step on cracks. <laughs> um, and because of that, she became a crack addict. <laughs> oh boy, I get it. I see what you're doing. <laughs> And because of that, she learned dance moves that she never thought were humanly possible, <laughs> thanks to the miracle of crack. Of crack. <laughs> and because of that, she got discovered by a famous L.A. ballet producer. Are we on until one day? Until I'm so glad day. we added an extra one yeah. in here because I think that's, that's actually fine. really important. It's fine. Let's finish the story and then I'll talk about why that's great. Okay. Okay. Uh, so she met. I'm sorry. Until one day. Until, but what did you just say? Until uh, I, she the she got discovered by an LA producer in Reno because of her new dance moves. <laughs> oh, you bunched two together. I like how you did that. That's okay. Really cool. um, and ever since that day. Oh, and ever since that. Okay, and ever oh. since that. Oh, I don't know. Um, and ever since that day, <laughs> she's been uh, a clean ballerina with her name in lights. All right. Excellent. <laughs> Give yourself a round of applause. Yeah. That's super simple. <laughs> so one of the things I like about that format is obviously like it can be super silly in that moment. Mm -hmm. But um, 
you add an extra, and because of that, you kind of, like, you said, and because of that, and, uh, and, well, and because I, of that, I, and then had, until one day. You did it I right. I thought it was four. Well, first of all, Is it three or four? It's three. Of, that's oh, the thing. It doesn't, but it doesn't really matter. matter. So, however long you need your story to be, or however what you're working towards in terms of that, like, your and because of that could just keep going. That's all the plot is. A plot is, because something happens, something else happens. And until we get to the resolution we want, let's just keep throwing in and because of that. Yeah. So, yes, it's an eight-beat story, but to... To say that it has to be like that regimented is is not the you know that's not the point. The thing yeah. that's different, I think, about narrative improv versus whatever the hell else you want to call you know I I, I don't like to classify it necessarily because I think narrative just another well style like of improv, I right? feel like you could say like montage is like yeah, totally different yeah exactly sure so like the thing that's different about you know scene based improv montage style stuff versus narrative is that. In montage style stuff, you you're always in service of of the scene, uh, in what's happening in that particular mm-hmm. scene, and in narrative, that's not always the case. Yes, you have to be in service of that scene, but also you have to be in service of that scene, under the umbrella of the rest of the story. So mm-hmm. you're really in service of doing what's in service of the story at all times, mm-hmm. um, and if that means you know. Being a secondary character, vocab word of the day, which we'll get to later, um, then that's what it calls well, for. Let's, let's, let's get to it now. Let's stop and do secondary characters. So, so our concept mm. of the day is secondary characters. We'll have Tim explain that. Yeah, and I mean, I think on the surface, you know, it's a very simple concept. It's you have your main characters, and then you have your secondary secondary characters, right? Mm-hmm. So there you go. All right, podcast over. Right? <laughs> uh, no, but, but I think that a common pitfall of, of a lot of improvisers is that we don't know how to play a secondary character because mm-hmm. once we're on stage we're like well well i have to be here now and i'm here now forever you know that's just not the case in narrative i think it's almost a great training ground for playing secondary characters because sometimes it's easier in a story to be like hey you know like uh like um i, I always use uh lord of the rings as my narrative example <laughs> uh, one because it's like the most simple story of all time and they stretched it into multiple books and <laughs> and a billion dollar movie industry um and nine hours of film with not including extra features so <laughs> you have a story that is the simplest that is stretched out into a very fascinating tale right and it's a simple quest basically a right. return a lost item uh <laughs> So here's here's Lord of the Rings in in two sentences. Ring gets found. Ring gets returned. <laughs> you know, and, That's and, it. but that is it. And then everything else in that is just play. Mm-hmm. Oh, they run into a spider. That right. sounds like it could be fun. Right. Oh, oh, but there's ghosts that fly in the swamp. <laughs> cool, great, fun. Let's have that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Any of those things could have happened in any order, right. probably if it was written that way. But it because you know. And that's the same thing with improvising and narrative. Like, let's just keep having fun within the context of the world that we've created. What? Mm-hmm. A, oh, if that happens, what happens after that? You yeah. Know? Oh, spider. What happens now? If if a giant spider can attack, what else is true about this world? Right. Well, so ghosts that could attack. and that's one of the fun, fun, That's one of the fundament. One of the fundamental rules. I'm going to say it. Rules of improv is if this is true, what else is true? I mean, that's what I kind of like yeah. about that format because it's so explicit. Because I, yeah. I forget that rule a right. lot. But bringing it back to secondary <laughs> characters, oh, so yeah. you have your you have your main character. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> you, you know, your antagonist and your protagonist and all these, like, okay, if that's true, what else is happening? Well, there's other people that they encounter. So it might just be like, you have one line, mm-hmm. but that line is important to carry, carry it forward. So you kind of have to be comfortable with 
being a secondary character because it's just as important as the yeah, antagonist or protagonist. Yeah, I think that's really a, a, a good point, and it makes me think of my very first time doing a narrative improv show. Um, I used to perform with the... I'm going to say I still perform with this group, even though we haven't performed in a long time, guys. I miss you. I love you. Uh, <laughs> Wilbur Wilbur Neilbur was the first um, improv group that I was ever on and uh, performed with them for a long time. Wilbur Wilbur what? Wilbur Wilbur Neilbur. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, all one word. Uh, <laughs> okay. So the we we used to do we did a lot of different formats. We we've done uh, narrative formats. We we explored some really cool things. Um, we did a improvised behind the music, so a VH1 style <laughs> uh, behind the music, um, where we had a really wonderful musician who played who where we improvised songs from this made up band. So the way we approached it was. It was basically a series of monologues. If you're familiar with VH1 Behind the Music, it's kind of, you know, different scenes with, with uh, folks telling the story of this band's fall, rise and fall. So what we'd get from the audience is we would get um, a suggestion of a, a, the name of a band, basically sprung from an idea of that, of that game. Like, oh, that'd be a good band name, you know. <laughs> um, so that was our idea for the show. And we'd get the, the idea or the suggestion from the audience was let's let's have a band name that that's never, you know, existed before. Let's hear a band um, from your imagination. And we'd get the name of the band and then we'd get either the decade that they existed in or the style of music that they played. That's One of those fun. two things, maybe both, depending on how we felt that night. And we'd use that stuff to inform our show and we'd tell the rise and fall of this this band that we just created. <laughs> but we'd so also fun. have um, awesome. backing yeah. music. Uh, so we'd, we'd present oh. actual songs that this, we'd improvise oh, songs so from cool. this band as well. Um, it was a really great format. Super fun. So we did that one. Um, we did uh, Choose Your Own Adventure, which mm. was really fun. Uh, other members of this group, before I was on it, they did um, improvised H.P. Uh, Lovecraft stories. Um, and the one format that I did probably for the longest and, and with the most... Um, guess exposure i don't know we traveled around with this format to quite a few festivals was an improvised romantic comedy and we called it love possibly um and the secondary character this is this has a point i there's a reason i said all this i think um <laughs> secondary characters right so the very first time i performed was in this show love possibly and i was made into the main character so the way we started our show was we'd line up the cast in front of the audience and we'd say, uh, of our cast members tonight, who would you like to see fall in love? Um. So the audience picked me to be the person to fall in love. And I was terrified because here I am thinking, like, I'm the main character. I have, how do, what do I do? Like, And my team took the greatest care of me, mm. um, showed me the best time. Because as a secondary character, yes, I brought it back. Um, <laughs> Good job. As a secondary character, your job is to paint the scene around them and not in that literal like scene painting sense but like bring things into the scene that move that person throughout the throughout the story surprise them you know show the good show the main character a good time in their story <laughs> and and you know let them kind of oh, be yeah. their guide throughout like it as a secondary character if you think about um movies or any of your favorite movies or books or stories there's all those secondary characters that have instrumental moments in moving the story forward right. but it seems to me the challenge so in that format the that you mentioned the the rom-com format mm -hmm. like it, it's already determined beforehand who's going to be the primary character oh, yeah, so we cheat that way isn't that yeah nice? so so to me the biggest one of the challenges about narrative is that 
it's a matter of rec- you have to rely on your team for everybody to recognize who's going to be the main characters and who's yeah. going to be the second yeah. character. So can you talk about that? <clears throat> yeah, that's really difficult, to be honest. It's still <laughs> something. I, and I'm by and I want to preface everything. Well, you know, not preface because I've already talked for who knows how long. Um, I want to say that I'm by no means an expert on narrative. Um, it is a, the, No, but the, just on your experience yeah, with and, it. Yeah, and, and this the style of improv I have the most experience with, and but I'm still learning and like constantly in pursuit of knowledge in this topic. That's why I love being so close to San Francisco, because I can shoot over to bats and gain you know knowledge from their 30 years of wisdom and, mm. and study in this thing. Um, is... What was, what was I going to say? I don't even remember. Well, how do you determine the primary? Oh, and is the, that, that's one of the most difficult yeah. things is, is, is you, organically yeah. choosing a, a protagonist mm-hmm. and, um, you know, without like explicitly saying like, you're the main character of the story. Like <laughs> right. you need to, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. It's recognizing that, that in that first three beats of the eight beat story, you know, that, the, that um, I've been taught is called like, you know, to call the platform, I think is a really good, way of describing it is in that platform we're, we're figuring out who's the main character and we're doing that by seeing like basically you know who has the most interesting story to tell with that first in those first three beats like who who seems to be the most interesting character that we can follow why do we care about who do we care about the most you know mm-hmm. who do we want to see more from mm-hmm. whose story do we want to tell and you can do that as a teammate by just listening and paying attention and, and, but also I think narrative really is, is another type of format that's really in service of the audience as well. So a lot goes into paying attention to what your audience wants Mm. and you do that by feeling the room really, you know, do they get excited by a certain character being on stage more? Great. Let's tell that character's story. Right. right? So it is a lot of audience feel and, and, um, and kind of Mm -hmm. Is that just kind of like an, an unexplained, uh, like, thing that you do? Like, like is there a strategy behind learning how to read the audience, or is it just something you have or you don't have? I think just put yourself in, in their seat for a little while. Mm-hmm. What would you want to happen in the show? Mm-hmm. You know? I think where, if I, my biggest fear with trying a narrative, or one of them, the other one is remembering what the hell happened in the last scene, but um, <clears throat> is... Um, <laughs> Uh, worrying about if all of us are on the same page and are perceiving the same, you know, sure. and Isn't I think that, that concern in always yes. in improv. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And I guess that does come down to your team and how much you trust each other and yeah. you, you click with each other and you kind of, you know, vibe and yeah, yeah for sure, for sure. Know that yes, okay. <clears throat> that's right. Let's um, since it's kind of a natural break, let's uh, jump into the history segment. Oh, okay. Um, so I did want to mention um because Tim talked about um teaching improv to kids with learning disabilities and social, um, I don't know, disabilities, challenges. Um, I did want to mention, and I've said this before, but that that's how improv got started because, um, there was at least in the U S yes. Well, this book improv nation claims that it, that's where improv was born. There are other arguments against that, but, um, anyways, so a woman named Viola Spoilin, um, uh, she, I think she was new to the country too. Where was she? Shoot. I'm, I'm doing terrible job of recalling this, but basically she, um, she built a class for immigrant children. Yeah. Who didn't um, all speak the same language. Who didn't right. all speak the same language. And so in a way she made improv the language of all. 
you oh, know, yeah. that, that, and they were able to interact and, you know, play with each other Um, because telling a story is done in more than just words so you don't mm -hmm. have to speak the same language to be able to tell a story yeah Yeah, I mean uh, yes Bolin's work is is incredible Mm -hmm. Um, she's obviously very inspiring Mm -hmm. Um, both just as an improv you know founder or whatever but also as as a specifically with this Mm -hmm. um, for me is is very inspiring because I do love working with kids. Mm -hmm. Um, I think kids are the best improvisers. I mean, that's what they do all the time. They're always playing. Yeah. So it's super fun. Well, Um, and it's cool that it like started, like there's always been a teaching element to it. mm -hmm. You know, that was, that's its foundation. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is cool. But I just wanted to mention that because you had, you had brought up that you had worked with kids and stuff. So yeah, no, thank you for that. Yeah. yeah. It's always good to a, a reminder of how that start kind of got, got going in the U S yeah. I mean, you know, um, but yeah. I did want to, I did want to, for this segment, I did want to read out of the introduction of, um, improv nation, cool. um, something that the author talks about just in general about improv and why, like kind of defining it as an art form and, and why people go back to it. Mm. (laughs) Um, So this is what he says. I'm going to read it. Um, So uh, I think that's partly why people went to, went to see, want to see and be part of it, returned for more and keep coming back. They can't believe it. They, sorry, I can't read. They can't believe anyone sane or insane would risk that kind of public humiliation. And when improv really hits the heights, they really can't believe it. No way you'll hear over your shoulder. They must have written that. They couldn't have just made it up. On those nights, it's like watching a magic trick. But while a magician always knows more than the audience, improv's magic is just as mysterious to its improvisers. It's a special form that says, even though you're down there and we're up here, we're discovering this together. Yep. And I just like, it gives me chills when I read yeah. that because that to written. me sums up the art form. And that is what is so magical as it says and mm-hmm. distinguishes it from a lot of, I mean, there might be other, like maybe performance art or something, but you know, yeah, that that's is well what, said. yeah. And I that's, what's so amazing that about book. it. That's page one of that book too. I should probably open it. I have that yeah. book on my shelf. Yeah. <laughs> um, page two. One two. Man, that's pretty good stuff. Yeah. In so, anyways. Pages. Yeah. Let's continue. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I completely agree with that. I especially love the part of that about you know the magic is just as as real to the improvisers on stage as is, as it is to the audience. Yeah. It reminds me of shows and and for and once again I I do want to say like I don't think narrative is a better style of improv. It's not superior for me. It's what I enjoy doing the most, so I will talk about it. And maybe in this, it sounds like it's superior, but I don't think that's true. I just think for me, it's what I enjoy the most. So mm-hmm. that's that's why I'm the most passionate about it. Um, yeah, I remember specific shows where you know we're in, we're twenty minutes in, twenty two minutes into a a set, a thirty minute set, and we don't know, like we really don't know what's going to happen, you know. And and yes, we know like the the arc of the story and probably what needs to happen, but like how that thing that needs to happen is going to happen is a total surprise. <laughs> and those are the best type of shows because you kind of like the, the, you know, the lights get pulled or the, the curtain gets pulled at the end of the show or whatever. And you're standing back there with your teammates. You're like, Holy shit. Like, what did we how just did we do? Pull that off? Like, <laughs> we pulled it off. I don't really know what we pulled off, but we pulled something <laughs> off and it feels great. Right. Um, yeah. It's the best. But also there's so much pleasure for me in a show that, 
misses the mark because it that's mm. just as much a part of the experience for the audience uh, and for the performers, I think. Mm-hmm. And for me, what keeps me coming back, mm. you know, I, I've done scripted work, and when you're like when a run of a show is over, I'm ready to be done with that show, like, and move on to something new. Yeah, because I've kind of got everything out of it that we can get out of it. We've we've milked it for everything it's worth, right? Mm-hmm. But with improv, it's like no, it's, it's never ending. It's, yeah, 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 it's always going to be something new. Well, and I think with I mean, not to be like teachery, but I was a teacher for many years, so I'm going to be one. Um, but you know, I think I think with any craft, the most you're going to learn is when you make errors, oh, right? Yeah. So, just when you said, you know, even when a show doesn't go well or a scene doesn't go well, <laughs> it can be the most awful feeling in the world but th- you're not going to learn and grow if you don't make mistakes definitely so that's one of the reasons i love short form improv so much just because it is for me it's like you just you get to kind of play with reckless abandon mm-hmm, and, yeah. and, and, and i mean a controlled recklessness i guess but you know it's it's like freedom risk, to fail though freedom to and fail there should be that in all forms of improv but for, in short form you know it's just so it's it's laid out you know mm-hmm. you have three minutes to give this thing a chance <laughs> roughly and if it doesn't go well it's over you don't have to yeah, try again like, you move on to the next thing right um so my yeah. next question is kind of gonna be history oriented and lead us back into a narrative improv um so the herald uh created by del close is kind of a format where you it's a three beat show where you have you know basically three scenes and then you're replaying those three scenes over it. is it would you consider the herald a form of narrative improv because no. you're continuing <laughs> no Where? i don't know anything about the herald i never i've never like uh this this uh man i might be burning improv bridges right now i don't really care uh you must not they, talk they, against the herald. herald i don't care about the herald and there's a, I, I, I will never teach the herald class at reno improv because i've never done one so you possibly, really okay i mean i've been a part of heralds but like i've never been on a herald team I've never taken a class that studied the Herald. Mm-hmm. I have performed in Heralds, but that's simply because like people said, "Hey, we're doing a show tonight. You want to be in it?" And they just so happened to do a Herald. I have never. Ninety yeah. percent yeah. of my training is in narrative improv. Yeah. It. I, I started in a theater that did both scripted and improvised work, and the improvised work was heavily inspired by uh, Keith Johnstone, who you know. Um, is a playwright uh, and an improviser and, a, and an improv guru. Um, and, you know, it, it just tends to lean more to the narrative mm-hmm. side of things. And that's yeah. that's just where I started. It doesn't right. mean it's better or worse. But for me, you know, once again, right. it's it's what I started learning and what I continue to yeah. hopefully pursue learning because I, I do, I love storytelling, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, well, I can Irish, see, I I can see how the Herald could be um, narrative and how it could be just very montage because you basically have three different scenes and you're carrying it through three acts kind of like a play would be set up so you the three scenes can be totally unrelated but you're carrying that scene into another scene and then there's there's a, a beginning middle and sure. end yeah. so in that sense people might yeah, say it's narrative. Yeah. there's a structure that's there's narrative but at the same I, time i think all improv is narrative i think because if you're be. not 
like if there's not a story to your scene, what is there? Like right. a game, I guess, you know? Right. But for me, even that game tells a story. It tells yeah. a story of the characters on stage. Well, the, even... the way those characters play a game right. is telling a story. Right. So... Well, and even with montage, you can bring back characters and put them in different situations or with other characters that you so yep. you can revisit, which is, you know. Uh, yeah. I, I had a chat I with um, Roy Janik, uh, who is a member of PGRAPH, um, mm-hmm. a while back. Uh, probably about a year and a half ago and i sent him a message and i was like hey i want to start um working with a narrative team here in reno but for the most part everything that they've done is is montage herald um you know i for lack of a better term chicago style i guess you know kind of training and i was like what would you how would i you know present this to them without you know scaring the shit out of everybody basically and like you know i want to present it as not like this crazy different thing it's just a a different style a different format so to speak Mm -hmm. um and he was he said to me he's like one thing i really like doing is having them do a montage where everybody has to play the same character the whole time Mm -hmm. and i was like really then you're that's like a narrative montage and he's like do a few of those and you'll end up just telling a story. Mm-hmm. It won't be a montage. It'll mm-hmm. just be it'll be a montage of scenes. But isn't that what every story is, anyways? Mm-hmm. Those scenes will be connected because right. the characters are therefore connected. Right. Well, and it's like those inst- sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Those histories that you create that those characters have. Right. Once you, when you continue to play them, you can't just ignore them. Right. That's that's stuff that's right. built in. And I think even if we say like, hey, these scenes don't have to be connected. Yes, we're going to be playing the same characters, but they can be in different times and spaces. Our brain, and this goes back to my point about we are natural storytellers, our brain wants to make sense of their mm-hmm. story. Right. It, it wants to, and the audience wants us to. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it, it's it's much more approachable than it than it might look when you go and see someone do an improvised narrative piece. It's like, oh, how did they pull that off? Well, ah, for me, it's it's not. It's yeah. It's less. It's less mysterious. Well, mysterious, and, and I, I mean, yeah. like, this quote says something like, oh, unlike a magician's where they know more than their audience. Well, there is a little bit of that. I think if you study yeah. improv, you there there are rules and techniques and formats that do, that then you're like, oh, I see how this works, that help you be a better improviser. So sure. there is a little bit well, more. Well, and I mean, we know. already talked about the eight-beat format. So yes, there, yeah. are, there are things, and I, th- I guess for me, like, that stuff maybe is in the back of my mind at this time, so I go into that with recognizing like oh if we can follow this eight beat structure even loosely i mean even if you want to break it down into three beats really beginning middle and end that's essentially or you know or platform plot resolution Mm -hmm. you know um yeah well and even like with i was this reminds me too of kind of like i'm just thinking of all the different formats and i haven't done that many but like the slacker format you know, where, um, you know, where there's still a character that stays on stage from the previous scene and then the new person brings in a new scene. But that character that stays on stage is the same character. Even that, even though it's not. I don't even know that. Yeah. See, I, don't, I don't like I don't so, know these format. I just know. But what... even that it's and then and then eventually both of those characters go away because then, you know, other. But but there is a connection. You know, there's a flow that that happens even though it's not like beginning beginning middle end i'm just trying to say like you know there's that connection and flow to the next thing instead of the disconnected just random scenes just smushed together yeah does that make sense and i think that and i think like you're saying we're always looking for that story that's you were saying like we're always looking for that 
sort of connection to what's coming up next or right 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 and i think that there's that connection in any and in montage it's just not it's yeah. not like storyline connection it's mm-hmm. it's like oh the theme from that past theme is carried over into this new scene like i was inspired by a, a theme that popped up during that you know and, and mm-hmm. the, yes this scene yeah. is completely new characters but we're going to share that same theme mm-hmm. or explore that theme yeah further. Mm-hmm. or like we're going to do this game and we're going to like repeat this yeah, yeah. thing um, so just one, we have time for one last question. Um, personally, what Whoa. do you, <laughs> Ooh, what do you feel is your biggest struggle as an improviser? And do you feel like narrative helps you in any way? Um, Tim's eyes got really big just now. Like, oh my weakness? God, I have so much to say about that. <laughs> exactly. Oh no. Yeah. yeah about, I mean, geez, what's my biggest weakness? Uh, we should have some guests come in and tell us. Um, <laughs> We're going to do a podcast. In to yeah. tell you what my We're going to do a podcast, a whole podcast on Tim's weaknesses. So stay mm-hmm. tuned for that. Y'all just kidding. Um, I think that. So one of the toughest things about narrative improv is that, is that, you have to as a group agree on the story from the Mm get-go and you i mean yes we are creating and destroying ideas in improv all the time right we have an idea and then it's like not the time for it and we have an idea and it's like well so in a montage you have an idea like oh that scene makes me think of this scene i can table that until Mm -hmm. it's until a new scene is it's time to do a new scene Mm -hmm. in narrative that story is on a constant track and we're not rewinding and, and we're not cutting to move to other things, really. So you have to be willing to be like, oh, the story could be going to this place. And then the very next word out of the other character's mouth on stage could completely destroy the reality of that idea you had. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, shit. Well, that can't happen because everybody's dead now. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have to <laughs> obviously it's an extreme example, but you have to be willing to scrap that idea that you had no matter how brilliant you might have had it it might have been you might have been ready like you might have had one foot on the stage and those words change you have to be willing yeah, to you're, so hard. And once again this goes back to always being in service of the story as a whole not as just the current scene on stage because if you're always only in in service of that current scene and not recognizing you know the big picture of the story you're trying to tell then you're going to end up doing a montage probably mm-hmm. you know um or at least like a narrative type montage right um and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just if you're trying to shoot for a, a solid piece of, you know, an improvised play, so to speak, with mm-hmm. a real beginning, middle, and an end, mm-hmm. then you want to be in service of the story. So, what's my biggest weakness? How did I manage to not talk about that? <laughs> Maybe that's your that biggest was pretty weakness. Much, oh, my biggest weakness is that we've only been recording for an hour and 15 minutes, but we've been in this room for three hours. So, uh, <laughs> Talking uh, no, it up. I think from... What I think, and this is probably not my biggest weakness, but what I think uh, my biggest weakness for myself is, and what I'm really trying to work on right now is, is playing those secondary characters mm. with, um, with like passion and, and mm-hmm. excited with excited to be them, because it's almost easier, especially if you've been doing narrative for a while, right? It's almost easier to fall into that main character role because you know you're gonna like everyone else's job is just to kind of support and mm-hmm. move you through your story. Mm-hmm. Um, and not always, but sometimes that's mm-hmm. that's the way it works out. So for me, it's 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 twofold. It's playing those secondary characters, but always, but also having those secondary characters be actual characters mm-hmm. and not just you know one of the like six versions of myself. Like yeah, like oh. this is Tim Mahoney as a butler. This is like oh. no, that's a butler named like George, and it's not like any. It it has 
you know, my my personal like history involved in it, obviously, because it's impossible not to have that. But like that's a real hmm. character that exists in this story and is specific to this story, not just like one of of a you know maybe a dozen or whatever stock characters that I tend to lean on. I mm. think for me and in narrative work specifically, I want to my characters to be in service of the story, not in service of like my comfort level playing them. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and that's a hard thing to do. Yeah, well, I think I that's think, well, for I'm everybody struggling with yeah. it. You know, well, that's interesting because I think I actually mentioned in another episode yeah. on this that like one of my first times performing on stage, I had the immense privilege of getting to play with you, and I felt horrible on stage I was like this is going awful until the moment you jump on stage and added two lines and you basically made me able to go on I don't even remember what it was he was he just added something that like I was completely blanking yeah I was like I was like frozen on stage and I did not know what to do until he walked in he just like dropped a nugget Uh and then I'm like oh okay I can finish this scene and it gave me the confidence to like keep going because I was just like God, let this thing be over. I've got nothing. And I mean, that's super generous of you to say that. That makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. But and that's because though, you hear that like, make your scene partner look good all the time. And sometimes we put that in our brain as like, I gotta save my scene partner. By and to do that, I gotta be on stage all the time. But no, sometimes it is just a matter of like coming in, and that's what a secondary character does in a beautiful way, Mm -hmm. is comes in and and just added context. Put Mm -hmm. put some stuff on the plate or on the table you're sitting at. Unless you play with it. Right. And then uh, there's a woman named Patty Stiles who I could talk about for days because she's amazing. Um, and once again, a Keith Johnstone uh, person. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, she, I had the amazing privilege to work with her very, pretty early in my improv mm-hmm. career. Um, I, yeah, I'm like getting like speechless talking about her because she really is amazing and wonderful. And um, I've never felt so taken care of on stage. Mm. Um, I was new. She's been performing forever. You know what I mean? She's she's wonderful and brilliant and all knowledgeable on everything, but also an amazing performer and, and for for anyone who's playing with her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I regularly think back to playing with her on stage and thinking like, man, I hope to someday be able to make people feel like she is making me feel on stage. Um, because... It was just so taken care of. I was never worried about what was happening, and at the same time, I didn't know what was happening, mm. and it was it was great. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, that's I feel like I I feel like just like coming from a a perspective of more uh, more of a beginner improv person, um, I feel like getting to that place, you have to be almost like a more seasoned. I mean, maybe not. Maybe it just depends on your personality too, but you have to be a more seasoned improviser because when you're first beginning, you're trying things out and you want to, you're trying to like, you know, do stuff on stage, but really, um, you know, you want to get to a place where you have more of a bird's eye view on the art of it, of improv, improv, improvising and um, to where you, you can recognize, Oh, I see what this person needs. Like you did with Jess and I'm just going to go and drop that little nugget to them, you know? Yeah. And I think it's that, like, it is just a drop. It's like, yeah. here it is, and go. Right. Like, you guys have got this. You just need it. So, and the reason I brought up Patty Styles was so she explained um, a, a lot of formats and, and things I've, I've worked in have been directed. So there's an actual director sitting in the audience, like, helping the scene move along. And they're not there to, like, have total control over the scene, although uh, Keith Johnstone... Um, 
did create a format called Guerrilla Theater, which is five directors, and um, there are a number of directors directing scenes very explicitly, and the show is is a director based show. Like so, they're oh, very much a part of cool. the show. Um, the audience is, you know, fully aware of it. Uh, so, anyways, I, I don't want to get down another rabbit hole. But, um, <laughs> look up the International Theater Sports Institute. They uh, they're the controlling body of, of Maestro Theater Sports and Guerrilla Theater. Um, they're all three of those formats are awesome. I hope to one day bring one of them to Reno. Um, cool, that'd be awesome. Yeah, theater sports is is one of my favorite types of of shows. It's like a um, a team based show uh, about a competition it's really fun oh, really fun. really fun but um, anyways so uh, as we're wrapping up i i what we're not I, wrapping up we, got more, we, got <laughs> we have more we hours. have five hours oh what are you talking about well yeah off there it's not even new. Um, uh so dare i ask um to plug anything else i feel like our our uh, oh show God, notes section like... is gonna be huge already but if people I feel like i plugged all all things in other cities <laughs> right so yeah let's talk about which, by the way if you're in any of those places like Go and support live theater and live mm-hmm. uh, improvised theater yeah. um, and, and visit those folks. And, you know, one of the great things about the improv world is they're very accessible. I, you know, and at Bats, I learned and met so many amazing people by just kind of staying after a show. They had a talk back after one of their improv shows. Oh, cool. And I, we just talked about, you know, narrative improv and mm-hmm. forms and, and, and how to, like, dive into genre work and all these really cool things. Mm-hmm. And I... I never visited an improv theater where folks don't aren't excited to talk to people who are enjoying what they're doing mm-hmm. yeah um so go and visit these wonderful places if yeah. people want to find you and and learn more about you or take one of your classes where can they find you oh yeah all right um <laughs> so i i teach and perform at reno improv um i'm currently teaching level one where uh, we just had our fifth week of class and then I'll be teaching another level one coming up here in a few weeks. I believe that starts on October 20. I'm trying to stall while I pull out my calendar here. Um, <laughs> we can put it on the notes, Wait. too. I think it's October 28th. It's Monday, October 28th. Yeah, okay. is, is the next level one class starting. So clear your Mondays. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, from, and it's a great you, way do, to spend a, you do a that Monday from night. 6 to, no, when is it? 6 to 8.30 on to Monday nights at Reno Improv. Cool. And then, if you want to see me perform, uh, I perform with a couple of different teams right now. One called We Digress. We just got back from the San Francisco Improv Festival, which was nice. an amazing experience for, for uh, the team, and it was really great. Um, and We Digress performs a, our own uh, sort of uh, customized format we call the digression. We found uh, that we have a, a real knack for talking over each other, so we kind of <laughs> let that inspire our show. Um <laughs> And then Ghost is is a very new team that's, you know, uh, exploring the world of narrative improv and and kind of trying to figure out what that's going to look like for this first narrative team at Reno Improv. And hopefully it'll inspire some other folks to to pursue narrative or jump on board with us and play with us and have some fun. So, yeah. Do you have any websites or uh, social handles you want to share with the world? Um, You can visit my very poorly run Instagram account at Tim Mahoney Comedy. I think the last time I posted was, like, last July. Uh, (laughs) So don't visit that. Don't waste your time. Visit somebody else. that's it for me, I think, in terms okay. of social media. I mean, cool. I'm on Twitter, but, like, you don't want to. That's mm-hmm. dar- a dark place. Don't go there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh. All right, so um, now I have a very, you know, serious last final question. Oh. Um, I don't think I actually came up with one, so I'm just going to come up with one off the top of my head. Um, if you were God, what would be your first act as God? 
if I was God, what would be my first act as God? Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh, that was going to be serious. This is going to be serious too. Would honestly, oh it would God. be to to end child poverty and child hunger. Oh. Um, because yeah, I know. I, <laughs> Yeah, it's great. Silly. I was trying to be as silly. much as I yeah. I, I, I you trying to be well, funny. Oh well, we always no. a, a, we always ask a non serious question at the end of the show. So oh God, just no, that's yeah. It's fine. So it's, fine. it's fine if you want to be a good human being. We're All not right. Gonna... Well then, yeah, I'll stick with my answer. <laughs> no, I, you know, I, yeah. I mean, I could go on about that, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gotta cool. take care of those kids, man. I just love kids so much. I hate to see them struggling. Oh, or anything, no. You know. Yeah. Um, it's a tough world. Yeah. We're not gonna end on that. No, no. The, well, and oh. so the reason that was on my, fresh in my brain is because I I just saw this video, and maybe this is a good way to end. Mm-hmm. I just saw this video, and I've seen it a couple. It was from a few years ago, about this group of performers essentially that would travel um, to areas where you know really really areas that were having some hard times, you know, mm-hmm. um, and just play with the kids just mm. play with them like mm. they were like a, a group of like circus performers so it's like you know mm-hmm. they do like face painting and juggling and like but they bring the kids in and do like some theater stuff with them and acting oh. and just like just show these kids like that there is some like fun joy in, in life and then, you know your imagination <laughs> can take you to some really really cool places even if you're on Not, some hard times yeah and i think oh, to a certain level great. we're all on some hard times at some point uh, varying levels in our lives mm-hmm. right whether it's personal or you're dealing with you know family members who are having trouble or whatever and yeah. for me that i think ultimately is why i went and stick with improv is because it is an escape it's an, it's 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 a place where you can play and not forget about your problems but kind of be present with them in a in a very yeah human way mm-hmm. um so that they seem they no longer seem like they're ruling your life or consuming you it's more yeah like, okay yeah. i can deal and with that, this now. and like just being in a place where like everybody is is also kind of recognizing that too yeah. and just having two hours a week or whatever mm-hmm. it is for you for me it's a lot more right now um where yeah you just get to to play and maybe explore those topics if that's what you want to do in that moment or not talk about them at all and just be like turtles you know trying to trying to finish a race like whatever you know yeah yeah cool and i think that's the beauty of it is you can get as deep into it as you want to or it can be just silly and and fun fun and and goofy and all are welcome yeah. Which is another, you know, yeah. to explore that world too. So cool. Well, That's thank you so much for being on our show, Tim. We had an excellent hour and it went so fast. I, 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 I know. I wish I recorded. Oh, it is recorded. That's yeah. how this works, Just, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where, but speaking of which, where can you hear that recording? Or is that already in our outro? No, I don't need to say that. Um, it's in our outro. You can go to fortheloveofimprov.com. You'll probably hear it again in our outro. Um, tune in uh, next time as well. We uh, Coming up next, uh, in the next couple episodes, we have Aurora Bowles. Yeah. She's like the. I've heard of her. Yes. She is coming. She's amazing. As well as Courtney Rapp is coming yeah. on. So and Aurora is like, I would say, like, she's a founder, basically, too, of Reno Improv. I don't know if she's officially so, but mm-hmm. in my mind, she is. Yeah. So we got some <laughs> really so. um, tasty treats for you coming up on, yeah. on the next Before the Love of Improv. Uh, yeah. I just got the hiccups. Please help oh. us out. By, <laughs> please help us out by sharing and liking and doing all the things. Yeah. Um, until next time. Mm-hmm. This has been this has been for the love of improv we want to thank you for tuning in if you would like to join the conversation you can find our website at fortheloveofimprov.com and don't forget that life is a stage so get out there and perform the hell out of it
Come on, ladies. Love of improv, improv. For the love of improv, improv. Time.